from the guy who's read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know, this is a Guy's Take episode. What is up, crew? Welcome back to the crypto economy with Guy Swan. I have got us a Guy's Take episode today. I wasn't even sure what I was going to do or if I was going to get an episode out today. But uh, all this stuff kind of blew up out of out of nowhere. And I, I spent all morning reading and trying to dig, dig into all this stuff about the 51% attack on Bcash. And uh, I, I just... I, so I had I had to come back here. I had tons of stuff to do, but I had to come back here and try to scramble together an episode for you guys to explain what I figured out in the process of this because this is just a really bizarre situation, and it happened like four or five days ago, apparently. Like like it happened during like right during the fork, and it was a it was it seems to be that it was quite a while before they even figured out what was going on. Or that this actually happened, that it pretty much happened, quote unquote, in secret. Like nobody knew that this was going on except for the two, the couple of parties actually involved. But from everything that I can tell, there was a two block reorg, which was a purposeful, we are going to censor transactions uh, or censor a specific transaction, 51% attack against Bcash. Um, and it was just two miners. Apparently, BTC.top actually possibly had enough hash power to just do it alone. Um, and I can't... They're, they're a mining pool, so I can't see how they would be, like, asking their users at all for... Like, there's no way they sent out an email real quick and be like, guys, are you okay with us doing this? Um, and then BTC.com also, clearly they were collaborating on this um, to respond to... Uh, uh, what was essentially the stealing, quote unquote, of Segwit coins. So, uh, it requires a little bit of background. Uh, first, Segwit coins. The the way the Segwit uh, uh, software occurred, the way it remains compatible on the network, is by basically putting in a and essentially a, a blank signature on the transaction in the really really old clients on the network, um, which is an anyone can spend. Uh, signature, which basically is just sending Bitcoin out to the network. It says, first person to grab it can grab it. And uh, the so and SegWit signatures themselves are actually allocated to a different spot. They're just not included in uh, the specific data uh, of that, and they are hashed separately. But what it means is that because uh, signatures could actually be modified without making them invalid, um, like it wouldn't change any of the information about the transaction, but you could change the transaction ID. So it made an attack vector referred to as malleability, where you could uh, post a transaction. You could basically give someone a transaction with a certain receipt number, and they could watch the network to make sure that receipt number didn't show up. And there was a trick, malleability, which allowed them to change the signature, which modified the receipt number, but made the transaction exactly the same. It didn't change any of the details in the transaction, so they could publish it, and you wouldn't be able to see because you had the wrong receipt number. Um, think of it like getting a refund at Target twice by 
uh, because they just, you know, check off that, uh, okay, we've already refunded this receipt based on the receipt number, and then you can bring the same receipt in with a different receipt number, and then they check, and there's no check mark because it's got a completely different receipt number. So it's sort of like that in the Bitcoin transaction sense. Uh, it did not mean that you could double spend coins or anything, but what it did mean is that if anybody was accepting an unconfirmed transaction or uh, the attack was used against Mt. Gox, and what they were doing was they were using the transaction ID simply to verify withdrawals from Mt. Gox. And this, whoever the attacker or attackers were, were modifying the transaction ID using this little quirk and uh, withdrawing multiple times from Mt. Gox. Mt. Gox would keep checking the, the quote-unquote transaction number and be like, okay, there's no withdrawal from this account yet, so withdraw again, withdraw again. So they just kept doing it. Um, so it shows this is kind of the, one of the risks of not running a full node. You know, There are little things that you can exploit if you don't have all of the data of the chain. Um, but SegWit fixed this. BCH... Uh, uh, Bitcoin Cash back in 2017 when they forked, the first thing they did was remove SegWit. But think about it, the transactions are pretty much the same. The keys, the signatures, all the other stuff is compatible with BCH from Bitcoin. So tons of people make the mistake and continue to do so apparently from some services or some wallets actually sending Bitcoin Cash to SegWit addresses, which means that on BCH, own Bitcoin Cash Network, hopefully this isn't confusing for anybody who's not very familiar with all this stuff, but the Bitcoin Cash Network sees these transactions as anyone can spend. They don't see the signature that's actually locking the coins, which is the SegWit client, which is only on the Bitcoin network. So essentially, since 2017, there's been a significant number and at times growing number of coins that were accidentally sent to quote, SegWit addresses, which meant that anybody could access them on BCH. Nobody actually owned them uh, on that network. Uh, and and there's, it's possible that they were, like, replayed onto the BCH network, but I'm not sure how long there was... They, they actually implemented a replay protection at some point, but I can't remember if it was right at the beginning or if it was actually just a little bit when they, like, when they fixed the EDA problem that they had. Um, I can't remember exactly, so it's possible that some of these are actually replayed where somebody made a transaction on Bitcoin and then they, you know, copied it and posted it to BCH. But regardless, a bunch of coins were locked up in these anyone can spend, well, not locked up, (laughs) the opposite of locked in anyone can spend addresses on Bcash. And uh, I can't determine whether or not this was actually on purpose um, because the the details of it actually a couple of things I read on it actually made it seem like this uh, uh, something called clean stack uh, which was implemented on BCH made the SegWit coins unspendable basically locked them up whereas otherwise anyone could just grab them because they're just you know open addresses it's just like throwing Bitcoin out into the courtyard and just seeing if everybody goes and grabs them um and, uh, but some, some of the things that I read kind of made it seem like that this was just unintentional, that they were using clean stack for something else, but I actually can't confirm. So, but this recent hard fork, the May 15th hard fork to implement Schnorr signatures on BCH, uh, 
actually was removing CleanStack or changing it so that these SegWit coins were actually spendable again, which means that a miner uh, could actually just scoop up all of these coins as soon as the hard fork went through. But there was a bug that had been sitting around in the Bitcoin ABC client for a long time, and that someone had been, obviously people were, somebody was aware of it, and uh, had been waiting for a good opportunity to exploit it. And they took the hard fork recently as just their prime opportunity. So uh, the first thing that happened was that uh, Bitcoin ABC started getting a bunch of invalid transactions in their mempool. And as far as I can tell, what this bug did was it allowed a miner to put, they were referred to as poison transactions in one of the things that I read uh, by uh, the Bitcoin dev, I mean the BCH dev. They were referred to as poison transactions, but they were invalid transactions that were allowed into Bitcoin ABC's mempool. But they wouldn't be allowed in a block added to the chain. So anybody who had this bug was trying to include transactions into blocks that would make an invalid block because the process of validating the transaction wasn't thorough um, or obviously had a a bug to exploit. So immediately... They were getting a lot of empty blocks, and I think it was just BTC Top. Um, Let me read in this article. At least BTC Top, possibly another miner, um, immediately started mining empty blocks, and this was so that they could continue producing blocks because the poison transactions were making it impossible to produce blocks unless they figured out how to make sure they were excluding those. They had to talk to the devs to make sure that those... Uh, transactions got evicted from the mempool so they could continue back with normal operation. But I uh, found another, um, in my my hunt for uh, this stuff on BitcoinExchangeGuide.com, they were talking about there's been concerns very recently because BTC Top had over 51% of the hash power by themselves. They had a total of, they they maxed out at 54%, I think was the highest that um, they got. So essentially they could have done a uh, uh, 51% attack entirely by themselves. Uh, So this is about to come into play with what exactly happened. Um, But in the confusion, this unknown miner exploited uh, the, um, the bug to get the poison transactions included in the mempool. And at the same time, well, I take that back. I don't think they know if it was the same person, but it seems to make perfect sense that this is what they were trying to do. They were trying to create a bug that was making it so other miners could not produce proper blocks and then included the SegWit. Now that SegWit was unlocked with the hard fork, all the SegWit coins, the accidentally sent coins, um, they could snatch up the SegWit coins to their own addresses. But apparently, BTC Top and BTC.com were either expecting that this might happen or they were preparing to recover the SegWit coins themselves because they responded immediately. They had to be watching this live when it hit. They were watching those SegWit addresses and then saw that somebody was um, producing. They were already producing empty blocks to get around the bug. And then uh, they... um, as soon as they noticed the SegWit coins being spent, they started, they, they agreed. They, that was the other thing, too, is that it seems like there's no other way that 
they didn't have some private channel that they were just actively in and sitting and waiting for this because th- their response was incredibly fast. Um, and they were right ready with the exact action that they did, which was to reorg those two blocks and remove the transactions because uh, all the Reddit threads are so- talking and saying, I could not actually confirm this from anywhere with btc.top or btc.com. This is simply Reddit consensus. This is what they were saying on Reddit. But that uh, BTC Top and BTC.com were working together to attempt to recover those SegWit coins to their, to their rightful owners. Um, and that maybe they had been working with an exchange and or users. I, I have no idea. That's just the assumption. And I have no idea how they found who the rightful owners of all these coins are or if maybe they only sent some that were specifically to an exchange. I have no idea. That seems like a stretch, but we'll give them the benefit of the doubt that this was a uh, an honest move by BTC Top and BTC.com. But I don't think it makes it any less scary as to the consequences of this. But what they did is they immediately decided to reorg the chain and they removed two blocks. Um, uh, BTC Top and BTC.com in conjunction removed these two blocks, took out the SegWit transactions that this unknown miner uh, were trying to scoop up and then put their own transactions in, spending the exact same uh, coins and uh, plus a bunch of others. Um, and this, this, is, uh, this is what you can find uh, details about. They've got the exact block numbers and everything on the honest.cash uh, post by one of the... It is not loading for me. Is the website down or something? Oh no! I didn't save this. I hope it doesn't get taken down. I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't get to the. I can't get to the conversation now. It's like a developer goes through the whole thing, explaining what happened, and gives the block number. Dude, I'm gonna be so pissed. I need to save this site as soon as it comes back up. All right. Well, I see if I can hunt this thing down. Uh, let's hit our sponsor real fast, and we'll jump back in. All right. I, I can't get it. I can't get it. The, the website must be down. Maybe. Um, I. I don't think. It looks like honest.cash is actually down. Oh, all right. I've got a couple of screenshots of it. I don't think I have the whole thing, though. Anyway, he tried to figure out what was going on because he saw that something funky was happening. But apparently it took a number of hours to actually figure out what happened uh, to those two blocks and why he was seeing two different transactions or two different sets of transactions spending the exact same SegWit UTXOs. Uh, uh, when they were unlocked after the fork. Um, and obviously he's trying to figure out what's going on with the empty blocks and the unintentional split between the Bitcoin ABC client and the other, thanks to the poison transactions that were going on. So, uh, and he says, like, quote, it took hours to understand unknowns, uh, 582,698 block, spent a few SegWit coins. You can run get block on it and see. Five blocks later, five blocks later, BTC tops, the same that it invalidated that block, spent those same and other SegWit coins. That's motive. They were returning those coins. Again, I don't know, I don't know how, but this is what everybody's saying, so somebody probably has that information somewhere. Um, they were not alone. BTC.com had invalidate block two. They built on that chain, so they were building on the same chain. I believe miners had an online meeting with ABC developers to talk about the fix. I assume they used this open channel to coordinate a reorg to revert the unknown's transactions. 
This is a 51% attack, the absolute worst attack possible. It's there in the white paper. What about miner and developer decentralized and uncensorable cash? When only, uh, only when convenient? Unknown's actions are doubtful. BTC Top recovered coins for the owners. Recovering is better, but they were late. Uh, the Bitcoin community does not condone the censorship of transactions, quote unquote, much less a 51% attack. Uh, so uh, he's the only one that I found that seems to be, a lot of people seem to be really reluctant about it, and they were just kind of not, I just, I was reading about this, and uh, we were talking about it last night at the meetup, and I was just like, how is nobody posted about this? Is this, how is this not getting around? Because this developer is here, it's like, I can't believe we have set this precedent. And I appreciate that that guy seems really concerned about it. But what essentially happened, if we take them at whatever word or information there is that says they were returning the coins to the miners, I mean, or excuse me, to the rightful owners, which I hope is the truth, because that's the only good outcome that you can have from this, but that alone, two miners in secret, in some private channel, and without any trouble, decided to take it upon themselves to mine a different chain and remove blocks with someone else's transaction and replace it with their own transaction. And some people seem to be celebrating this. Um, that, that on the BTC forums, that like uh, J- Jonathan Tumim the um if i'm not mistaken he and his brother were behind the bitcoin classic uh client way back when during the like 2015 or 16 when everybody was making their own client bitcoin classic bitcoin unlimited bitcoin abc bitcoin 2 bitcoin 9.7 whatever the heck it was i don't know there were so many um and the tumen brothers i believe were behind bitcoin classic but he's now a developer for bch but he says the orphan blocks did not violate any cons- official consensus rules, but they did violate a common sense rule. You can call it an attack if you want. I'm going to call it justice. So he's saying that because there was this unspoken, quote unquote, agreement that, I don't know, I guess these coins that didn't have any lock on them uh, were not going to be taken. I don't know why they thought that that wasn't going to happen. I mean, I guess I guess some people at least realized that that was going to happen, and they were trying to race to make to make themselves do it to, for them to, uh, if, you know, to send it back to the rightful owner, quote unquote. But uh, here's uh, here's another comment of Tiago uh, from RBTC it says, "How can it be just if it was not what the majority of honest miners?" agreed on. It's a very dangerous precedent if we start allowing individual entities to arbitrarily enforce a reorg. Next thing we know, we might be seeing the Fed's mining farm enforcing their inflation chain or MasterCard orphaning blocks that offended their so-called moral standards, etc. And I think that's a completely legitimate concern. Like, that's the thing that you're just immediately like, how did this, how is it that just these miners are just picking out which transactions they're like basically get to say who gets to transact and who doesn't. And Tumim, Jonathan Tumim comes in, says, how can it be just? Because it prevented a theft. It doesn't matter if a theft is performed by a majority or a minority. Theft is theft. I agree. I don't think that has anything to do with whether or not this 51% attack was a good idea. Um, yes, it was theft, but your 
violating the rules of the system. You're undermining the whole concept of any kind of security that this thing has when two miners can just have a private conversation and be like, man, let's, let's, let's get these guys out of here. We don't, we don't like this transaction. Let's, let's have their coins. Um, quote, if it was not what the majority of honest miners agreed on. And he says, a supermajority of the hash rate did agree on it. They just didn't consult you first. They didn't have time to. So he's saying that these two mining companies or uh, uh, hashing power people are a supermajority and that this is perfectly okay. He's totally defending this. And I'm just like, how are you not a little bit concerned of what you're – what? is happening here like this seems ridiculous um and then he's got it's a very dangerous precedent if we start allowing individual entities to arbitrarily enforce a reorg yes allow question mark the only ones who have any say here are the miners themselves are you suggesting that miners should try to orphan the blocks of miners who try to orphan the blocks of miners there are a lot of anti-social things that miners can do what btc.top and btc.com showed is that miners who do antisocial things on BCH will often get punished by the rest. You might not be happy about that, but I certainly am. So, yeah. Um, I, can't, I can't believe that that's his take on this. Um, that he could be that unconcerned with the security and the immutability of the actual protocol and the fact that incentives are not aligned that they they genuinely could have just stolen the coins for themselves we don't know i have not confirmed one way or the other i want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they've done the right thing and returned the coins but that seems like a ridiculous task like how are they going to figure out who all the coins are is it is are we talking about one address because they're talking about many it sounds like um, how the hell are they going to find and confirm the rightful owner of all of them? So I, I don't know. But this seems like a ridiculous response. And it's only that one other developer, which I can't get to the, I can't get to the damn article. Man, I should have saved that page. I'm going to be so pissed if this thing has just been pulled down now. Oh, oh, okay, saving it right now. Save page as. All right. So it's not gone. Honest cash, uh, BCH, 51% details. So I've got it in case it goes down. Maybe it's just a bunch of people who are going to the website now. Um, and uh, and I think it's also like he's judging certain transactions as antisocial. I mean, what if they're wrong? Like what if it's... I mean, we don't know anything about the unknown. I mean, the unknown miner, obviously he was probably trying to just steal the Segwit coins for himself. But again, nobody knows. That's just an assumption made. And we're going to, compl- we're going to reorganize the whole chain over, over an assumption that they just valued their own obtaining of those coins, which obviously they believe is honest because it's them who, who doesn't think that they are honest themselves and invalidating someone else's uh, transactions on the issue. Uh, so uh, everybody else seems to be at least quiet about it. A lot of people do seem to be con- a little bit concerned and maybe they're just trying to pass it off or they're nervous about it because the conversation was just weird 
Um, some people were trying to applaud it, and some people are like, really? Um, so I, I don't think everybody is bought into the fact that this is just wonderful news. But again, it's been like four or five days, and nobody else was talking about it. And this is exactly what I talked about and what so many people warned about about endless hard forks. These are bugs that got put into previous hard forks that are now being exploited and because they're trying to make all these changes. And it, a hard fork is an attack vector. It immediately turns everything into a political, a social media consensus and removes the one objective thing, the power of Bitcoin, by, by removing that consensus from the protocol from the protocol, from the proof of work, to just some social consensus. And it destroys the Lindy effect. Because as soon as you hard fork the consensus rules, it doesn't matter how minor, it's, it destroys the fact that there's any security because you've altered the rules, which are the foundation of whether or not the whole network works. And you can say that it's like, oh, well, if it's a minor change, then you haven't lost the Lindy effect. Segwit 2x was a really minor change. It was supposed to be only a handful of lines of codes. That's what everybody argued over and over again, is that it's not even a difficult hard fork. It's just like eight lines of code. And they still managed to screw it up. They couldn't produce blocks. They had an off-by-one bug in the tiny amount of code that they changed with Segwit2x, and the, simple, the sheer fact that they altered the consensus rules in as simple as they thought they were going to do it, they still screwed it up. It destroys the Lindy effect. Any kind of survival you've had over the last six months, over the last 10 years, whatever it is when you hard fork, is out the window. You're starting from scratch. And it has obviously turned BCH into a huge political mess. And it appears that a private communication channel between two miners basically decides what gets in a block and what doesn't. And I just can't believe that this was not just massive news. Um, and there's a, there's at least, like, there is concern about it in the, the Reddit post. Um, I'll read something that I actually highlighted in the thread. Um, uh, that, quote, where we are. So now that both plans have been foiled, uh, da, 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 as an unwanted side effect of these events, the BTC.top and BTC.com, quote, partnership has been exposed. So what do we do with this new revelation is a question that we probably have to discuss. They worked together with someone who wanted to return the Segwit coins and avoided a theft. They used their combined hashing dominance to avoid a theft. I applaud them for that. From a moral perspective, this is defendable, and my suspicion that we have more backing for BCH than you can see with your eye by following hash rate charts is now being revealed as true again. But the dilemma BCH has is revealed again as well. We need more of the SHA-256 hash rate cake because we actually do not want that any entity in this space has more than 50% hash power. So at least they are understanding the problem with this. But I just, they're, they're, in a, they're in a fight because they keep breaking the protocol and they keep changing the consensus rules and they can't sustain. They're just hard forking. They're they're shooting themselves in the foot every time they do this. It has clearly turned into a huge mess of political and social media organization rather than consensus around a set of rules. And now they have to fight and argue over whether these miners are good guys or bad guys. 
um, and whether they've done the right thing or the wrong thing when the protocol should simply be incentivized, the market should be able to mature to prevent this type of thing from happening at all. It simply shouldn't be possible. If somebody steals the coins because of a bug or because they screwed up with the signatures or whatever, that, that transaction should be just as final. There is no, the Bitcoin protocol should not care. There should be no subjective decision making over who has an honest transaction and who has a dishonest transaction. If they screwed it up because of a bug, it should stay there. That's what immutability means. That's what decentralized censorship resistant means. And I think the trade-off of just throwing that out the window is way, way more costly and way more destructive than letting someone steal some coins that were essentially already lost. Um, maybe in the tiny, tiniest of sense, the, uh, the better thing happened for the people involved and the people who had lost their coins, but I think absolutely the wrong thing happened in the sense of are we building something secure and different or are we just doing the same crap that we've always had, the same political mess, and we're just making it into a, a, a network where a couple of miners just say what the rules are and who gets, to, who gets to make transactions and who doesn't. That doesn't solve any of our big problems, despite the fact that their reorg may have solved a small problem. So that is essentially the whole mess as far as I can tell, um, I did tag a bunch of people in the bottom of the post to hopefully, like Masari Crypto and uh, or Masari.io, uh, Nick Carter, um, Bitmex Research, a bunch of Aaron Von Wordham. Uh, I wanted to see if, like, uh, and you know, uh, Daniel Goldman. I want to see if these guys could maybe dig a little bit deeper because I can't. You know, I'm not going to be able to look into block explorers and do a lot of the stuff that I'm sure they could. Um, so hopefully, and uh, ho hopefully we'll have something specific written, a really long thought out thing discussing this entire thing in depth um, that hits a little bit more details and maybe clarifies or corrects somewhere that I'm wrong. I'm sure I'm wrong about something here. Uh, I was scrambling to put all of this together. And uh, again, it's all from Reddit. So uh, that's, <laughs> take that uh, as you will. Um, but I just thought it was really important to get out quickly so that everybody knew because somehow this had been sat quietly for four days and four or five days and nobody knew. Um, I can't believe I seem to be the first one to be talking about this. So with that, uh, I guess we will close this episode out. Hopefully, uh, maybe we'll be able to read something specific on the show that really hits the details. But that is essentially uh, what I discovered and what I tried to sum up in, into the, uh, the Twitter thread on the Bitcoin Cash 51% attack. All right, guys. Uh, this has been a Guys Take episode. If you would like to support the show, you can always go to cryptoeconomy.life. I've got a uh, Bitcoin address, a QR code um, in the, uh, the, side, the sidebar there. And I've also got a lightning tip jar. And this show runs on donations, so if anybody uh, can donate or would like to support the show and appreciates the work I'm doing, uh, I would very, very much like to appreciate it. And the other thing you can do, obviously, is share it around with everybody you know. Um, that's a great way to help out the show and help me grow uh, this audience. Um, so thank you guys for listening. 
Uh, I'm on Anchor and all the stuff. Please subscribe. You can find me on Twitter at The Crypto Economy. And until next time, this has been a Guy's Take episode. I am Guy Swan, and you're listening to the Crypto Economy Podcast. Until Monday, take it easy, guys. Thank you.